0: I like that. Shall I ask it again? How are you this morning? morning. Yes, yes. Well, um, we have started a a series of sermonettes, uh, where it is the hope, (laughs) always the hope, uh, that we could do several sermonettes on a Sunday morning. Uh, I find, uh, and we're not going through this forever, but I find that sermons are in some ways a little bit limited because you can do one sermon, you talk about one topic, one thing. and. But I feel like often I want to talk about more things than just one thing with you. And, uh, and sometimes it is needed that I talk about more than one thing. Uh, you know, when I do a tennis clinic... Uh, with a bunch of ladies or a bunch of juniors or whatever, we do a lot of different things in one hour and a half span. We do, you know, warming up. We do forehands. We do backhands. We do volleys. We do overheads. We do serves, return of serves, running exercises, and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, Different things, and then I expound on the different things, and we practice the different things so they can be good at all these different things uh, because... Tennis is not just about a forehand or a serve. Life is not just about forgiveness. It's about a lot of different things. And I feel like with a sermon, I only have once so often a chance to speak to you concerning something. I like to have a chance to do that more often. So, hence, the sermonettes. I don't, you don't, in a sermonette, you don't have to cover the whole thing. Nor that can you do that in a sermon, that you can cover the whole thing. There's no possible way you can cover everything about forgiveness or about love in a sermon. You just, you know, just touch it. And so, okay, I touch it in a smaller way in a sermonette. But at least I have encouraged you. So um, this morning I want to encourage you in a couple of things, and then give you a little bit longer encouragement. Uh, This morning I want to encourage you as... We are made up of spirit, body, and spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body, or you can go body, soul, and spirit in that order if you want to. And so, uh, the body is the part that you see. And the the soul is what you don't see, and the spirit is that you, what you don't see. And the the soul is sort of like your, your thought life, your decision-making, your will, and these type of things. Whereas your spirit is the thing, is you, you, this is not you. This is just the body, the house that you live in. And the Lord has a lot of things to say about your body because you live in that body. And he wants you to take care of the thing that you live in. Just that simple. And by the way, it is really beneficial when you take care of the thing that you live in. (laughs) And and if you don't take care of it, you just don't feel good. And feeling good is pretty good. (laughs) Feeling bad is a bummer. And so sometimes we have... Uh, a cold or a virus or whatever, and after so many days or whatever, we're done with it, right? But sometimes we have other things that are a little bit more uh, (laughs) uh, permanent, so to speak. Somebody has maybe cancer, and and maybe it's it's not being cured, and they're stuck with it for for a long time. But what happens with this long-term illness stuff is that It didn't start today when you noticed it. You've been working on that for a while, getting sick. You've been working on it, and boom, one day you feel it, and then you go to the doctor and you have such and such. So now I'm not trying to tell you that you can prevent all illness. I'm not there. I don't have that wisdom. But what I can tell you is you can prevent a lot of it, a lot of it. So, this is what I want to encourage you, because God has given you as the flock that I must, that I'm responsible for in a real way. He is ultimately responsible, but that's why he has under-shepherds like me or other other under-shepherds to help care and direct you. Uh, And it's a great responsibility, it's a great privilege, and it is scary uh, that God says, I sort of hold you responsible a little bit, just like he holds husbands responsible in their, in their homes. The second thing I want to uh, encourage you this morning is not only that you take care of your physical health, but you, that you also take care of your mental health, that you do the things that you know to do that will get you uh, in a better, uh, 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 how you call it, state of mind if you will, so that you can make better decisions. And it is my firm conviction that if we are not careful, if we are not being led by the Spirit of God, is that possible that you're not led by the Spirit of God? Okay. So if you're not led by the Spirit of God, that you could make decisions that, 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 that take you in, in a funny place. And then that decision that takes you in a funny place you're trying to make another decision. Many times, it's another funny decision that takes you to a, a, a deeper place, a darker place, if you will. And so, now, it is not true that a bad decision is always followed by another bad decision. It is true that a bad decision often is followed by another bad decision. Ask David when he was on the... On his balcony and looking out there, you know, one bad decision after another he made. But it is not permanent because otherwise you never could get out of that mind or that cycle. So it's not permanent. But, you know, sometimes you make a bad decision, then you have to lie to, to, to come out. and you have to lie another lie. Then you have to kill something else. and you, you have to remember the lie. You, you, you slipped a little bit. You, all kinds of baloney for making bad decisions. So I want to encourage you to then make the right decisions concerning to be stable in your mind, so that you can make better decisions more often. Then that is your soul. So I'm, I'm, I'm one of these days I'll teach on it a little bit more uh, uh, in, in, in a more expanded way. But for now, just just here. Then then you have your spirit. That is you living in this body. And your spirit, when it comes under God, when it comes under God through Jesus Christ, then your spirit is renewed. It is born again, if you will, whatever term you want to give it. It is renewed, and now it comes under God. So God is going to lead you In your spirit, where to go? And your spirit, in many ways, uh, controls your mind, your thinking. If your spirit is under under the control of God, then God is helping you make decisions. He is leading and guiding your spirit to control your mind to go certain places, without which you go to other places. Before you were reborn, you had no wherewithal of having your mind go certain places. You didn't have the power. That power came only with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And with the resurrection power, now he gives you the power to overcome all these things that the flesh, your body, and your mind want to throw at you. So, and then you make better decisions. And when you make better decisions, led by the Spirit of God, Your life is more victorious in every way. Not without problems, because problems doesn't mean lack of victory. Problems that are caused by the flesh means lack of victory. But sometimes when you are in the spirit, can there be problems? Yes! There's lots of persecution in other places if you are in the spirit, if you are led by the spirit of God. Your house gets burned, your church gets burned, people get killed, and so on and so forth. So, uh, I don't want to stay there. I just want to say this, that where I'm looking from, since I'm going to die anyways. Are you going to die? Thank you. And I'm going to die. I want to die for the gospel. I don't want to die for something stupid. So, I'm not afraid to die. And we we were studying Job this morning. Uh, uh, You know, when you try to teach Job. Good luck, brother. <laughs> Everybody wants to talk. <laughs> you don't get to teach very much because there's so many questions and so many things when, you, when you're talking about Job. But the, 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 the verse that I, I, I like so much, I, I want to say it's maybe in chapter 3, verse 15 or something like that. Uh, Though he slay me, yet shall I trust him. I'm not afraid to be slain. What I'm a little bit afraid of is how I'm going to be slain. <laughs> if they go finger by finger, you know, that's no fun. Just do me the pop, poof, 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 I'm good to go. Um, so, um, so, encouraging you to take care of your body, to take care of your mind, the things that, and then, and then take care of your spirit. Be sure that you submit and yield to the spirit of God. Who loves you and wants you to wants to guide you in wonderful places in wonderful places and I, I'll call them spiritual places so now today then uh, the, the the bigger portion of the sermonette is going to be on this is the title "The Problem is in the other person always in the other person Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, come, we'll come back from that amen after a little while. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. So, in this Christian teaching, there is mostly the teaching concerning the fact that me as a Christian, I should put you first before myself. Is that, is that a fair statement? Okay. Somebody said, joy is Jesus first, then others, then yourself, joy. So, and and that is true. But there is also evidence in the scriptures that speaks to the fact that... uh, I should take care of myself as well. And I'll I'll point that out today a little bit. So that uh, we don't always think that the problem is in the other person and not in us. There is a gentleman named Rick Myers, is that his name? He wrote The Purpose Driven Life. Warren, Rick Warren. What did I say? Warren, Warren, Rick Warren. He sold more books than you can shake a stick at. Uh, so it was a very popular book. And the first page, I'm sorry, sorry, the first words on the first page of the first chapter go like this. It is not about you. And that is true. It is not about you. But in some instances, it is about you. Yes. So I don't want us to just think that all I have to do in my Christian life is just think of you. That comes after a certain point in my Christian life where I can do things for you. Sometimes I'm not in a place where I can do things for you. Right? Is that possible? Yeah, I'm just in a bad place. Sorry, I'm on empty. When I'm on empty, I don't have much to share with you. I'm on empty. So the idea then that it is not about you is true, but not completely true. Because you have to have something if you're going to give something. It's just that simple. And so I'm going to bring a few ideas here for you so that we can we, we can look at it. Um, so, joy, it's not about you. The third point I'm trying to make is first put a mask on your face. Anybody flown here lately by airplane? And the... the the crew member will come on the microphone and say something like this. Something like this. If there is a decrease in air pressure, from the ceiling will fall three or four uh, oxygen masks. And I would say, pull at it, put it over your mouth and your nose, pull at it so that it will facilitate the flow of the oxygen, right? It is through, go through a little tube, and if the tube is bent, it, it, it disrupts the flow. So pull at it, so it's extended, and now you have a free flow of oxygen, and then you can breathe. And then they go on to say, if you are traveling with a minor, or with a child, or with a, an elderly person, first put a mask on your face, and then help them. Because they know that if you are dead because you don't have oxygen, you can't help anybody. (laughs) So you can help her. Yes. Uh, So there is a place then where we need to have, have something that we can share with somebody. In this case, it is an oxygen mask so that they can have oxygen after. But first we have to do ours because they know very well that in trying to help somebody else, all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm, out of, I'm out of oxygen. And I can't help me, neither me nor them. The best chance to help them is when I am, have oxygen myself. So, and that is a, that is a fair uh, a statement. Uh, it is not that you... That you're thinking, well, it's okay for them to die and for me to live. No, you try to help them. This is your, this as a Christian, this is your primary thought. But if you're going to help them, you need to be able to breathe. Yes? Okay. So, this is just uh, a practical example. Uh, I'll give you one From the scriptures now, if you can go to Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Angel. I love angel. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Verse 4, and then we're going to come back to it. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. And then 5 says this, you hypocrite, it says. Verse 5, hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So this is Jesus speaking. And... He is not saying, Jesus, that you, because this has to, verses 1 and 2 have to do with judging. Don't judge the other person and so on and so forth. So he is not saying that we cannot say to a brother, hey, there is a speck in your eye, Glenn. Uh, yeah, uh, just a hypothetical. Uh, there's never a speck in your eye. <laughs> uh, so, This is not prohibiting me. Matter of fact, it's encouraging me. It is not prohibiting me that I cannot talk to a brother and say, Hey, there's a speck in your eye. Let me help you with it. What this is saying to me is that when I see a speck in your eye, I need to be sure that it is a speck in your eye. And then what I will do is I will immediately ask the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I see a speck in doll's eye. Would you let me know if I have a tree in mine, so that I can take it out so I can clearly see that there is a speck and not only that, I can help him get the speck out. This is not prohibiting me to tell him that there is a speck, but this is telling me that I should be sure. Otherwise, I'm a hypocrite. Let me be sure. Let me just go ahead. Some people go around and they want to teach everybody all the time. They teach and teach and teach. They never consider what is going on in their lives. You know, people like that. They just want to teach and correct other people. Not not realizing what's going on in their own lives. They can't even see clearly how to correct the other person because there's a tree in theirs. But so here you have the idea then that Jesus himself is saying, first... Take care of yourself. Then you are in a better place to take care of a brother or a sister. And that makes sense. He is not saying, put yourself before the other other person. He is saying, if you are going to help the other person, make it the best help possible. Okay? (laughs) Okay. I know it's a little bit different teaching, but I'm giving you the scriptures. Um, When your car is stalled and you think, it just recently happened. Somebody's car was stalled and they thought it was a battery. So they went to buy another battery. And it, it, it was not a battery. The battery was fine. It was the starter. So, but when you think it's the battery, then you'll call me or another friend. And you say, hey, could you come and give me a jump? Yeah? Or how do you call it? Give somebody a jump? Yes, somebody a jump. And I come, and by golly, I'm so proud because I have a brand new jumper cable cable. (laughs) Brand new. This is a little bit longer. It's good. It's new. I know that it's not corroded. So I'm I'm making a good connection. Poof, poof, poof. And vroom, vroom, vroom. Uh, 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 uh. The other guy, he's trying, but nothing is happening. Could it be that I don't have enough charge in mind? to help jump a brother. We were mistaken. It was not his battery, it was his starter. But as it turned out, I didn't have enough juice to jump him. I need a recharge. You know how you put the, the battery on a charger or, or whatever, and you, you got a recharge. Now you have a, a battery that's charged, so you can give somebody a jump. Well, this happens in life all the time, that you're trying to give somebody a jump, but you don't have a charge. Good for you that you have a new cable. Good for you that you have a new Bible. Good for you that you, you know, you go to church three times a week. The question is, do you have a charge to give somebody else a charge? I'm not upset, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. Because you see, uh, I think that maybe one of the big problems in Christian circles, in relationships, is because I think that the problem is in you. When the problem is in me. This happens a lot between husbands and wives. This happens between brothers and sisters. The problem is always the other person, it seems like. So I give you one more <laughs> analogy. Uh, not too long ago, I I got a truck. Oh, you were supposed to say amen to that. Yeah. Because, hey, yeah, I got my boots, okay? Now I got the truck. I mean, I'm full circle. Now I'm Texan. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I can't stand that chewing stuff anyways. But <laughs> if you chew, hey, more power to you, okay? <laughs> Don't spit it on me. But... I, you know, when I first came to this country, I, 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 we trained at the HCB Tennis Center. And there was a, a gentleman there that cleaned the place. And, and he had something over here. I said, I said, oh, my gosh, Chicho, you should go to the dentist. I think you have, a, I think you have an abscess. <laughs> Somebody said, shh, it's, not, it's his chew. It's in there. Oh my God! I apologize. I, I didn't know that you chewed this stuff. <laughs> I've never come across like that. Or right. I, well, maybe I'll not tell you that story. But uh, so I have a truck, and when my truck has gasoline, I mean that baby just goes with all ease. I just step my foot on the gas pedal. (laughs) I chill one hand a little bit, you know, (laughs) check my radio. And uh, that thing goes fine. In my truck, there's a gauge that tells me when my gasoline is going going to be empty. And usually when it's close to empty, you hear ping, ping, ping. A sound goes off, and a light goes on. Oh, that means you only have a few miles left to go. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, i got places to go. i got things to do. Forget about filling up. All of a sudden, I'm without gasoline. And the thing that was so easy at first, just chilling, leaning back over here, putting my foot on the gas pedal, and just go smoothly, now... I have to push. Not only I can't push it; I'm 71 years old. So I'm. Is there somebody that can help me push this thing? It is funny because God is telling us: be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then your Christian life goes. Let me put it this way. You, you, there's your Christian life, and then you, there's your life. Your Christian life the, in the spiritual realm. Things go good in the spiritual realm. Because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But what we want to do is we want to do the things of God on an empty tank. Guess how hard it is to push my truck to San Antonio. And, hey, you... You're pushing like crazy. I'm, so, so, you know, I'm thinking, man, it's hard to do God's thing without His power. I mean, running God's universe for one day will where you plumb out. Well, thank you. One hour. <laughs> you know, I was giving us a little credit. I mean, that's a minute or whatever. Uh, so be filled with the Holy Spirit, and your spiritual life thrives. And it is not that difficult. Your spiritual life. There's still plenty of challenges in this earth, right? You're not in heaven yet. There's plenty of challenges in this earth. <coughs> Excuse me. Forgive me one second. I'm, I'm, I'm too enthusiastic. <laughs> so, I have two sons who are in the ministry in San Antonio. I tell them, sons, the ministry has a way to suck you dry. Is that possible? You just think that when you minister, that just by virtue of ministering, you just get filled up. That's possible. But that's not always true. Ministry means this, that Whatever God has given me, I am giving you. The life that God has given me, I am giving you. But when I'm so busy that the ministry has sucked me dry, I have nothing else to give her. Then I'm just busy. There's a gentleman, I forget his name now, I haven't read through it in in, in a while, who wrote a book, uh, the, the, the dangerous calling of ministry. The dangerous calling of ministry. Something like that. Or maybe ministry, a dangerous calling. I forget the exact wording, but th- this is the, the gist of it. He is trying to explain that there's so many people that are in the ministry that do it in their own strength. They die. They give up. They, they don't have the strength to do it. You know how long it would last for me to give up, to push my truck to San Antonio? I won't last at all. And there's so many people who want to do ministry in their own strength. So I tell my boys, hey, you spend time with your papa in heaven. Don't you go do that stuff over here horizontally in your own strength. Sooner than later, you're going to be on empty. Your tank is going to be on empty, and there's no more ministry. You're just being busy, and you will be, you wear out. Keep the fires burning between you and your wife. Sybil right now, she is on her way to San Antonio. Or maybe she went home first and then on her way to San Antonio because she's going to take care of the kids of our oldest son because we want to give them every chance that the two of them can just get away by themselves. Not only does he need to fill up, that as he is filling up, he also fills his wife up. And I say, son, I tell them both, Joshua and Nate. Take care of your wife. She is your number one ministry. Nobody else is. Nobody else is. Take care of your wife. My friend. Not only is it the right thing to do, it is worth everything. Take care of her. And believe you me, just as I give them permission to call me into account. My sons have permission to call me into account. Excuse me. You have permission to call me into account. You have permission. If you see me treat my sister in an unchristian way, you call me into account. I count on you to call me into account. It is your responsibility. So I don't hesitate, since I've given them permission to, to call me into account, I don't hesitate to call them into account. And by the same token, I've given you permission to call me into account. I don't hesitate to call you into account. I'm not mean about it. Calling somebody into account is not. Joe did that a, a few years ago, Joe. He had, he had thought that I, 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 I made a joke from the, from, the, from the front over there, and he thought that somebody had been offended by it. Is that true? It's true. That's what he said. And so Joe came to me and said, Pastor, I just want to share it with you that the joke that you made offended the brother over there. Was I offended by that? I was so glad he brought it to my attention because the last thing I want is for, for there to be something between me and my brother. So when he told me that, I said, thank you, Joe, and I went immediately to the brother and said, hey, I didn't, I didn't mean anything by it. And then everything was fine. Cool. We're cool. So there's an accountability Okay, where were we? (laughs) Accountability. So, now, so part of the problem is that we think that the problem is in the other person. That thought, that the problem is in the other person, that is the problem. That is the problem. Is there a problem in the other person? Yes, there is, because there are flawed people too, right? Like I'm flawed. But I don't have control over the other person. I only have control over me. Now, let me show you what happens when I take care of me. When I take care of the problem that is in me, Herman, let's say, we, 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 uh, our relationship, and I think the problem is in him, but finally the Lord shows me, no, the problem is in you. When I take care of the problem in me, and I go before the Lord, and I make things right with God, then will there be a change in me? Yes, there will be a change in me. And because there is a change in me, right? He will see the change in me, and I will have changed, and He is seeing a change in me. I have made already progress. Yes? One. I have solved the problem in me, Two, he, I, 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 I sorry, I, I have solved the problem in me, which means, I look at Herman differently, and he sees, there is a difference in me. Yes? Okay. So then, the, the second thing that will happen, is, because, there is a change in me, there might be a change in him. The things that I told you, that he's flawed, and those flaws, they cause the uh, caused problem between us, maybe there is a change in him. But let me put it this way. If I want to bring to bear a change in him, what is my best course of action? Remaining the same. So, he remains the same, and we keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. What do they call that? Thank you. So now, I have changed. Then that is my best chance to cause a change in him. Right? So now, when he starts changing, he sees me differently. I see him differently. Now there is lots of progress made in the relationship. So, don't let me stop over here because that is not right. I have worked on me. I am now in a healthier place than I was before. Yes, spiritually speaking. And now I have some things to give. And now it becomes all about the other person. How I can help. How I can encourage. How I can... uh, teach, how I can uh, facilitate, how I can make things good, how I can take th- make things right, how I can do the things excuse me that promote their well-being. So yes, it is not about me. It is about you. But if I don't take care of me, I can't take care of you then even though is about you, it doesn't make any difference. I have nothing to give. So, therefore, I must spend time with my Heavenly Father. Do you spend time with your Heavenly Father? Sometimes in the middle of the night. I don't wear this watch when I sleep. I have another watch that has a a little light. I click the light. You know, I have my glasses right over here, but I I can see it probably without the glasses pretty good. So I press the light. 3.30. Lord, I like to sleep a little more. Well, I close my eyes. Relax. Sleep some more, can he sleep some more? There is, I'm tired, but there's no sleep in me. I just get up. Or I lay there and pray. I pray for however long it takes. Sometimes I fall back asleep. Sometimes I don't. I pray for a while, then I get up. And then I go study his word. And I go spend time with him and visit with him. He, 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 he often calls me and says, son, I want to visit with you a little while. I, I have some things to talk to you about. Remember, you were trying to help this brother in his situation. You go about it the wrong way. He is not there yet. You need to spend some one on one time with him. And you need to give him a charge. And you need to give him some direction. Because without that direction, he cannot do the things that you're asking him to do that are right, but he's not there. So, my counseling has changed. oh these these things happen happen often, <clears throat> and so you're counseling somebody is is forgiveness a big item in relationships uh, 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 huge uh, maybe the biggest item besides of course the relationship with God, but it is a huge item forgiveness and so uh, I come to Sherry. Sherry is a precious sister of mine, and she's sitting nice and close over here so I can use her as an example. Often. But she's precious. And I say, Sherry, you need to forgive that person. This is a hypothetical situation. You need to forgive that person. And she could say to me, Pastor, I know I'm simply not there yet. I say, no problem, Sherry. For a Christian, there is only two options concerning forgiveness. Yes, and not yet. I'm not ready yet. I need a little bit more time. Lord, you need to work on me a little bit stronger. I want to because you say so. I'm not there yet. Would you help me? So then I, okay, well, sister, you know, this is what it says in the scriptures. And if you spend some time with your father, he is so committed to you to give you the power to forgive. That if you just lean a little bit toward him, he'll meet you right there and he gives you the power to forgive. And sister, once you have forgiven him or her, whoever the situation might be, once you have forgiven, the release and the relief that you'll feel in your spirit and the power that you will experience and the joy that you will experience, never mind the possibility of the restoration and the reconciliation of the relationship, I'm not even going there yet. Just in you, what will happen? So then, oh, pastor, well, would you pray with me? So God gives me the, the wherewithal, the strength, the unction, the oomph to forgive. Oh, sister, I'd love to pray with you. Let's pray. And then we pray together. And now she feels, maybe not, but she looks, she looks like she feels like that. <laughs> and now she feels the power. Now she feels the unction. Now she feels the oomph. And now it makes sense to me. God, I am going to forgive that person, even though I still don't feel like it. But I'm going to do it because you say so. I wonder if Peter, after they had been fishing all night long and caught silch, and they had been cleaning the nets for the day because they hadn't caught anything, and then Jesus says, hey, throw those nets again, did Peter want to throw the net? I'm not sure if he wanted to. he just claimed those things. But he says, we have fished all night long, Lord, and we have caught nothing. But because you say so, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So now it makes sense to Sherry, because the Lord says so. I'm going to do it. I wasn't there yet, but now I am there. I'm going to do it. And I explained to her that God will meet you right there. Poof. And things will be good. And she is at a place where now. So sometimes uh, you tell her, you tell her husband, uh, hey, listen, I know that your wife has some issues, okay? He's told me, so I I know. But but, but I take it always with a grain of salt, (laughs) or two or three grains of salt. because he comes from his perspective, right? And and I know, and, and I've talked with the wife also, and she, and she admits also that she has some issues. I, so, I know that she has some issues. But, my friend, this is what I need for you to do because this is what God says. And I give him instructions. And he goes away. But he is not there yet. And God is starting to show me in your counseling you need to give consideration to these different things that you may have to spend some time with them in the scriptures first to try to convince them by the spirit to do this and this and this and this. Because without the spirit, he won't be able to do it and he'll give up. Sometimes the people are simply rebellious. But that's not always the case. If they're rebellious, I tell them, you know what? Uh, If you're going to remain in this state, you should go get counseling somewhere else. I can't help you. I am not sure that God can help you if you're going to be rebellious to him. Am I right theologically, Doyle? I don't know. I I just don't know. But when somebody's rebellious, I have never seen them get help till they came out of that rebellion. You know, God speaks about rebellion like it's like witchcraft. There's nothing, nothing good about it. There's only bad stuff about that. If somebody's in the flesh, that's one thing. Maybe they want to be in the spirit. When you talk to them oh Lord, yeah, that's what I want. Praise the Lord, let's go. But if someone's rebellious, they don't want to go there. They're there. They're happy where they are, no matter how unhappy they are. So there's the problem in the other person. there is a problem in the other person, but the only problem that you have control over. Is this person, me, me. So let me get fixed with God. Let me get together with my Heavenly Father. Let him give me a charge so that I can boom, boom, give you a jump in your life. You don't have to push the truck. <laughs> You're cruising. It's not easy. I mean, though it is easy driving to San Antonio, sometimes I get sleepy. Do you get sleepy when you drive? My head outside, get a little fresh air. Stop the car, run around the car a few times. Go back in. It is not necessarily easy, but the drive is so much easier than when I have to just push the thing. And do it in my own strength. And so it is with your spiritual walk before the the Lord. Uh, Be filled. Not only is it that you can live your own life in a more pleasant and and, and smooth ride, but you can also give somebody else a ride and a push and a jump and an encouragement so that they can live their lives more victoriously. Amen. Amen.